All right, back. Another special edition and episode with a longtime friend, Kurt Wood, who has been in the state and local government circuits for quite a long time, Most formally most recently the CIO for the state of Massachusetts, is here with us today. And I'm super glad you're here, Kurt. Um, and then Jack, uh, given our, given our guest here today, is there uh, something top of mind that you think we should, we should touch on? There are so many things, Justin. Welcome to the show, Kurt. Um, it's always nice. That, number one, I get to work with Justin all the time and that is exemplary. But when we get to add somebody else to the mix, it's pretty amazing, right? So we get to actually add some more stuff. Um, for those of you who have listened to Justin and I over the last couple of weeks, the most recent version of the Cybersecurity Priorities Report just came out. Um, in addition to all the great work that Kurt's done since 1975 uh, in his government career, um, Kurt was actually the executive director of that. He actually formed the organizing function, brought a lot of those smart folks to the table that Justin and I have been able to talk with and talk about uh, in the course of the show over the last couple of weeks. Um, but in the course of those discussions, uh, and in fact, in the course of doing a webinar for the CPR some time ago, it was pretty clear that, um, that there was a lot of information we could gather from Kurt around one of the other organizations that's not pwned and isn't New Harbor Security that provides assistance and guidance uh, into municipalities and public sector folks. And I thought it'd be fun to talk a little bit about that, just if it's great. And, and, and I'm talking about CISA, C-I-S-A which is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency uh, run by uh, Jen Easterly currently. And just really, really quickly, for those of you who may not be familiar with CISA, um, originally it was uh, pulled out of one of the directorates inside of the Department of Homeland Security with really the focus to improve security in .gov domains and to do a better job of identifying and better understanding security for critical infrastructure. You know, things like what should they do for assessment or awareness training, what have you. Um, but one of the things it's not supposed to be, right, that sometimes it gets the reputation of, is it's not supposed to be the cavalry, right? Uh, folks should not be sitting back waiting for Jen to arrive and fix everything. And as you see, you know, in the day to day, she's really working hard on generating awareness, generating a common understanding. But I don't think that she presupposes that this is supposed to be the, the cavalry either. And so um, that all being said, Kurt, welcome to the show. Um, I'd like to kick it off with a question like specifically related to the way uh, that we've discussed it in the past, which is, you know, where do you see uh, natural overlaps and conflicts, right, in the shared responsibilities as both a statewide officer and now, you know, helping a lot of different organizations out in the shared responsibilities for state and local governments and then with CISA riding over the top of it? Where do you see that sort of friction popping up? Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Justin. Nice to see you all. Happy New Year. Uh, so, uh, great question. I mean, I, I think the way I've been thinking about this over the past several years, and certainly I've been, like you mentioned, I've been in government many, many years, and certainly folks on the state side, local side, but I've also a lot of experience with the federal partners as well uh, over the years. And I think when we think about, uh, you know, kind of this whole uh, protectorate, you know, from a CISA perspective, you know, I look at this organization that, you know, was was spun, like you said, was spun off. And I, I think the first thing I think about, you know, really is 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 the relevance of the organization itself. And I think, you know, underlying all this really, to me, the federal government, by doing that, has has extended uh, its its position that uh, this is a top priority 
for all of us, meaning that, you know, they've taken out, they've taken this organization, they've taken out of a, a parent organization, have actually created this dedicated group uh, led by, you know, uh, you know, uh, an official that uh, has wide responsibility across the country. I think, you know, from a state and local perspective, you know, over the years, I think it's, it's been, it's been a struggle uh, to actually get focus uh, to prioritize cybersecurity. I think we've made great progress over the past probably five years or so. I think that's part and parcel to, uh, you know, the federal government mandating or directing CISA to start to take some action to build this, you know, wide uh, ranging framework. I like to call it a framework, a foundation framework that really elevates cybersecurity and, and, and mandates it to be an organization that provides uh, leadership provides expertise, provides, uh, you know, uh, standards, uh, situational awareness, things of that nature that, you know, really uh, lends itself to, uh, you know, better cybersecurity and really promotes uh, the uh, cyber efforts across the country. And, you know, each year, I think, you know, as, as we traverse this uh, journey, uh, you know, they continue to build, they continue to, you know, find their way. Uh, and I think to your point about, you know, CISER is not going to be the Calvary. And I think you're right. However, I do think they provide such an important role uh, in government, in the federal space, you know, from a relationship management perspective, you know, championing our Congress, championing, uh, you know, the dedication and the commitment of standards and framework and policy. Uh, when you talk about infrastructure, they work with, you know, some of an, all of our critical infrastructure across the country. You know, we when we think about cyber, you know, sometimes I think, you know, at a state or local level, we get stuck in the day-to-day operations of our, you know, uh, agencies. But I think the larger component here really is the critical infrastructure that actually is needed in order to run our government operations or, or our private operation, you know, whether it be water treatment facilities, uh, would it be electrical grids, you know, communication companies, <clears throat> these all come first to mind. And they all have a, a nexus to really kind of the, you know, the federal structure uh, in this regard. So I, I think, you know, we talk about overlap. I think, you know, certainly I think, you know, we've made some great progress. I think there's areas that, you know, we, we have maybe too much overlap, but then in most cases, you know, we're still struggling to communicate with each other. So I think, you know, when it comes to the CISA engagement, you know, they have regional people assigned to each state uh, that work with the leadership within a state uh, to make sure that, you know, the first of all, there's a situational awareness when things pop up in the vendor community or the industry itself. Uh, or the government space, there's, there's a communication flow down and up. You know, I, you know, for years, I think the federal government got criticized a little bit for, you know, kind of just sucking all the information out of people and not providing anything back. But I think that's actually changed. And I think it's changed because people in the state and local space now have the comfort and they have the confidence and they have a level of expertise uh, that's built been built out over the last several years that really allows them to communicate up, communicate across. And I think... Sister has done a nice job adapting to that framework as well. And I think, you know, we, we view them, in my experience, we view them as a valued partner, you know, a group that provides leadership, guidance, framework, uh, opportunity. You know, they've been a huge champion in funding at the national level. I think, you know, many states, you know, are starting to catch up with some of the funding commitments, but the federal government still has a ton of money there, investments, uh, and it's all the way from the White House down. So I think, you know, CISER uh, is a still a new agency overall. Uh, but I think, you know, they, they adapt, they're making progress, and they provide certainly a valuable resource for all of us uh, in, in this fight around cyber. Cool. Justin, let me ask you, because, I mean, 
we deal with a lot of different, and you specifically deal with a lot of different state and local agencies. Uh, and at the same time, you're sort of at the center of the way we think about advancing into the next generation of threat intel. Where do you see CISA fitting, right? And, and CISA's ability to generate shared information across you know, the various communities that they touch. Kurt, I think I, I loved what Kurt said about the communication framework. Um, he's talking about creating them creating the foundational framework. Um, but more importantly, like I think he kind of brought that all together and saying they provide a critical function, which is making sure that CIS is talking to their peers and counterparts in the feds and they're uh, relaying information back down. Um, you, know, you know, I think the role of CISA um, is like their, their most important role is one of communication um, and it's one of awareness. And I don't think they're necessarily going to be the agency that has all the answers, um, nor like nor nor should they be. Like it's 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 a big threat landscape and we all have to do our part to contribute. Um, the the value to me is um, you know, kind of come back to what Kirk was saying. Um, Kirk was saying is that we have the foundational framework. They establish a level of trust and communication where we feel like we can communicate back to them. They can communicate to us. And the idea of being with the right um, right partnership um, and the right shared responsibility model and trust, where uh, the sum of the parts. Is, is, is more than the whole and, and, and everybody can win out of this. Let me just add on to Justin say, and I give you an example. I think, again, when I look at the most recent program the last couple of years around the state and local cybersecurity grant program, if you just look at that and you kind of look at the work that's been done, you know, CISR uh, and their federal partners and state partners, you know, did a lot of work up front. You know, uh, you speak of Janice easily. Her office has been very open uh, she travels around the country, meets with executives across the state and local government. You know, she's not sitting down in D.C., you know, not paying attention. I think she's brought that to the forefront about collaboration and communication. I think when you look at the state local cybersecurity grant, you know, they built this kind of foundation here and they've given us program areas to, to look towards. Right. And fun. And really what that means is that, you know, we've identified, you know, collaboratively these areas, you know, when we talk about municipal you know, uh, uh, vulnerabilities or state vulnerabilities. You know, these are common known vulnerabilities that, you know, sometimes we just, you know, they're, they're almost impossible to deal with. We may be a funding issue. It may be, you know, resource issue. And I think the point being, CIS has prioritized this through the federal government and said, listen, we're going to we're going to put some money. We're going to put some money where our mouth is. And these are the most critical and prioritized areas that we can focus on. So being able to do that and getting states to the table and, again, reinforcing the criticality of cyber hygiene and some of these are very basic things, right? But reinforcing, you know, at educational institutions, at schools, at our businesses, you know, providing cyber incident response plans for small businesses that don't have that. You know, those are important roles that state and local government people really don't do. You know, whereas the federal government through CISA actually has programs that they can work with the community, work with legislation to educate people, inform people and reinforce the importance of this. And then certainly tie some programmatic goals to it and some funding to it. But again, being that resource and being that federal government agency that's that's dedicated to this, I think is critical. And people do listen. And I think that's important to be able to listen, knowing the federal government has this organization that's solely focused on our critical infrastructure and our cyber related areas. And then, you know, how do we meld this together? How can we best, 
you know, be a resource in a in a in, a, in an evangelist and a and a leader in the space for our municipalities and our state governments and businesses. I like it. I mean, one of the things that's interesting uh, when you mention the fact that the the CISA team and you know their founding is sort of a, a demonstration of the fact that cybersecurity has become more important, right? In these mm-hmm. divided times of ours, I thought it was really interesting in doing a little research for the piece. The fact that in 2018, when this was created, when the agency was created, it was a unanimous vote from the Senate, right? Nobody voted against it. Everybody let their partisanship sort of go behind them because this is a problem that affects everybody. Um, Justin, you had made a comment that I want to follow up with Kurt on, which was you had said um, that CIS is not supposed to have all the answers, right? And you had described the the need for a really well-articulated shared responsibility model. Um, Kurt, when you think about it, when you talk to other state CIOs, mm-hmm. right, in, in your current role and even before when you were still occupying the seat, um, you probably ran into lots of different kinds of architectures, right? We know that statutorily, uh, statutorily excuse me, some states work one way, some municipalities work another, tribal authorities work a third way. You know, everybody sort of has their own thing. Um, if CIS's responsibility is in part to help to inform the work that they're doing, um, how do you see them, you know, uh, learning enough to be a useful partner to those organizations? And also, how do you recommend that those organizations feed that information up to make system more responsive to what they need? Great, great question. Uh, great area. So, I, you know, again, I think, you know, uh, you know, I, I think about, you know, kind of the relationship management aspect of things. And I think, you know, one of the areas I think CISER has made some progress uh, is 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 having people that are in the area, you know, in your community, right? So in New England or Massachusetts, let's just say New England, you know, we have some dedicated resources there, and these folks, in my experience, and and if and if they didn't, you know, it would be my responsibility as a state CIO that oversaw the enterprise technology security for the Commonwealth. Uh, it would be my responsibility to make sure that we reached out to CISER, to make sure that invite them into our house to make sure that they understand the functions of the government. Because one thing is for sure, no government's the same. You know, state Massachusetts, for example, you know, it's 351 cities and towns. They do everything differently. You have a Commonwealth of Mass with 125 executive branch agencies, even though we have a standard framework. <clears throat> you know, each agency kind of has their own mission. They have their own regulatory framework. They have their own statutory framework. They have their own geography, people, uh, everything, mission. <clears throat> so, you know, getting, you know, it, it, it'd be almost impossible for CISA to actually understand and appreciate the nuance as a term we like to use, right, uh, for all how government works. What is critical, though, and I think what they've made progress and they continue to make progress on is making sure that you develop these relationships at the state local level. You know, leverage your state CIOs, leverage your state CISO, your public safety officials, you know, your municipal associations, your local government associations. And I think every state is is charged a little bit different. But I think CISER has adapted that. You know, it's a playbook. But, you know, and I think, you know, it, it's building that relationship, building that partnership, you know, being available. So if I need something, you know, can I call them up? Can you all come in and do a presentation for me? Can you give me an update of what's going on in this program? Or can you kind of sit and listen? And we're building an incident response framework. When we built an incident response framework in Massachusetts for our municipal governments along with state, CISA was at the table. You know, so I, I think it's important to kind of make sure there's inclusion there, but it's a two-way street. You know, it's just a, we don't, CISA just can't drop in and just kind of take over everything. There's, it's just impossible to do that. You have to be invited in. You have to be, you know, you have to be a willing participant. And I think that's, and that's incumbent on state local government 
having the right people in those seats as well to make sure that you can you can you know can you work on a level playing field and set expectations early on. It, it's fun to talk about the the role that they have and that they don't have, and I, I think it'd be fun um, because you know Justin and I've been doing this a long time, and Justin's been at the center of a lot of these discussions. And so I want to ask you a question, if I could, partner in crime, which is that last week. Um, at a CSIS panel, which, which for those in the audience is a Center for Strategic and International Studies. They talk about a lot of different things, particularly associated with federal government purview, regulation, what have you. Uh, but on that panel, they had folks from both the Department of Veterans Affairs and from the Treasury, right? And these people actually said the words, we would like to see CISA be more prescriptive and demand that standards be met, right? This is basically the thrust of this. Now, as somebody who, you know, on a daily basis is dealing with the different levels of appetite for security, the friction that gets created, you know, Justin, how do you think that CISA's role as defining those would be accepted by the people who may have to implement it? You know, Jack, that's also a good question for you <laughs> as, um, as someone who's helped kind of uh, write, uh, write articles and legislation in the past and uh, kind of how you thought about it but um you know for the for the folks that i've interacted with um i think they they use the term uh prescription and recommendations and best practices as almost synonymous terms but i don't think they really mean them that way mm. right and and spe and very specifically is there's a lot of organizations and i say like organizations encompassing state local municipal government like the whole thing um they they're looking for recommendations and best practices how they can get incrementally better i don't think anybody is expecting to wave a magic wand and be perfect but in the world of trying to prescribe all the things that you could do you set the bar so high mm -hmm. that people just put their hands up and say like i just might as well accept the risk because i'm never going to hit this bar right and so um i think there's a lot of risk in being super prescribed because that's that's the trade-off you're, you're just going to immediately turn people off and rather the motion needs to be create something that's overarching, be clear on the intent and the goal, and it gives people a creative way to solve this, this challenge, right? And keep in mind too, like the audience of which you're trying to prescribe these things to sometimes are completely overloaded or are not technical. And they can read it, but have no idea what it means. So I gotta, gotta keep, keep that in mind too. So um, to me, I'd, I'd like to see more, uh, or best practices and, and recommendations, but but most importantly, be clear on the intent and the goal, so you can actually help people. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. You know, I remember back it it was in the late 1990s, right, when we created the ISAC, sort of the PDD 63 stuff, and the idea was that there'd be shared information, and from that would come recommendations. It was almost a specific um, doctrine that describes what you were just talking about, right? Which was we're going to look around, we're going to make our best recommendations that people can aspire to, but we're never going to demand that they do it. And, you know, as I was reading the notes from the CSIS uh, discussion, it kind of felt a little like the, the folks may have been saying, well, we would do whatever we're supposed to do if they would just tell us what to do. It's not our fault that we haven't done it. And, you know, you had mentioned the shared responsibility uh, of it a little bit earlier. And again, that, you know, obviously reminds me of AWS, right? The shared responsibility model. 
and the idea that you know, these organizations and the individuals in these organizations have to take some responsibility for doing something. And maybe they aspire to a recommendation or a best practice that gets described by Jen and the team uh, at CISA, but it should be part and parcel with just doing what they think is right, right in doing, in doing something. So no, I, th I think that works for me uh, as well. Um, Jack, if I, if, if, if I could real quickly though, like you've, you've been in this exact position where you've been asked to help write guidance and find the right words for, uh, for, for this type of thing yeah. in this situation. Right. And if memory serves me correctly, it was for application security, which by the way, is like one of the hardest things to do. Um, like philosophically when, when you were doing it, like philosophically, like what, what was your approach and like, how, how did you think about it? Well, it was interesting, right? I was, I was younger and perhaps a little bit more idealistic, right? And, um, it was so obvious that if I could identify all the vulnerabilities in the software, then I should probably fix the really bad ones at least. And if I'm going to be creating software that does things like, you know, manage healthcare, you know, devices, or, you know, decides where planes go or munitions or what have you, you really want to make sure those are secure enough before you use them a lot. Uh, and what it turned out was that until it was demonstrated that they were so flawed, right, that that became the biggest thing people worried about, it sort of took second place, right, in, in the hierarchy, or maybe 11th place. But, you know, in the hierarchy of it, we had at one point in time, you know, DISA uh, was recommending that application security review, not necessarily us, but something be done for almost all these things. And people just sign in waivers all over the place. So oh, don't have time for that. You know, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't want this thing to happen, then we'll follow your process. But if you want it to happen, then you really have no choice. And it's, it's sort of like the extortion of a pressing timetable, right? And it's, um, it's hard and it's hard. And I think there's something you mentioned before that was, that was right in the money as well, which was, you know, the, the capacity of the audience to understand it, right? I mean, we saw this when I was working on some legislation, this has got to be 10 or 15 years ago for the grid and they couldn't get it to the floor. They couldn't get it to the floor of the House or the Senate because of the fact that um, it was too complicated. And I changed like nine words, but constituents aren't going to vote cybersecurity regulations for the grid when they're really more worried about, you know, um, is the military going to be funded? Are the checks going to get written for social services? It's ju it just doesn't rise to that level for them. And so, you know, maybe things are changing. Maybe things are changing. But I think that the first thing to do in getting people to accept it is to prove to them that it's worth all the friction and, and chaos and sort of like the disruption that it's going to cause for them. So, so, so Kurt, if I, if I go back to sort of sum up one of the discussions that we had that touches on some of the stuff that Justin and I were just talking about, Mm -hmm. um, in the conversation we had a little earlier, you had um, made the comment that IT and cybersecurity, they're super critical. Everybody cares about them, yeah. But they're just elements, right? They're elements of a much broader security strategy, defensive resilience strategy, especially for like a statewide officer who's got critical services to offer what have you. Can you talk a little bit about that complexity and you know how people weigh to Justin's questions, how do you weigh cybersecurity in that mix? And you know, do you see a role for CISA in helping statewide officers or even municipal officers advocate for more cybersecurity goodness and a higher priority for that kind of work? Yeah, I think uh, you know, again, I mean I think, you know, you fellas hit it on the head. I mean, I, I you know, just you know, just doubling back a little bit, I, I think about, you know, you know, cybersecurity is this thing that like at times, I think, you know, people think it's somebody else's job, right? 
uh, in like, you know, just, just mentioned, you mentioned it. It's like, you know, people don't worry about, they sign waivers and they, because they're trying to get their mission done. Right. Uh, and it's always somebody else's responsibility. I think, you know, over the years, I think, you know, that's been a dangerous, uh, position along with it or digital. It's the same, it's the same thing. And I've been evangelizing for years, <clears throat> you know, that, you know, it's just not about the IT guy or gal. It's just not about the security guy or gal. You know, we've turned this into, uh, you know, kind of, you know, a risk avoidance or it's somebody else's thing. Uh, and I think, you know, when I look at it, you know, and what I've been evangelizing over the last couple of years is really, you know, we all own it as a community. Uh, and I think about it in very basic terms from my perspective and my experience. And I try to break it down simply when I talk to people, when I talk to leaders, I talk to the governors, I talk to, you know, town leaders, whomever, legislators, you know, at the end of the day, what, you know, what is the mission of state and local government? If you just ask that very basic question, and I, I think it's two things. I think it's, you know, we're obligated to make sure that there is access to services for our population, for our communities, you know, uh, which is, which are people or businesses or whomever we define as a community. And I also look at it that, you know, we provide services proactively. So it's, it's basically people need to access systems or services, and then we need to be proactive to provide that. And then you take a look at that, you know, and what does that really mean? And we, you know, we've kind of framed the term, we've gone away from, you know, certain terms and moved into back into some older terms like continuity of operation, continuity of government. You know, when, then we kind of, we filter it down to, well, what does that really mean? Well, it really means resiliency. It means availability. It means access. So you take a look at that. And honestly, cybersecurity is, is really shouldn't be special in the fact that it really should be part of your fabric and DNA. And what I mean by that, everybody has a role in this, whether it be the agency head, the legal team, the the person that is responsible for answering the phone, or the contact center, the the customer, whomever it may be, it's really about all of us. So I, I think, you know, it goes back to some very basics again and, you know, retraining the brain at times and really continue to evangelize the very basics. And I think some of the programs, you know, that I've seen lately that really touch on this are really, you know, areas that we don't think traditionally about cyber, right? But I think about, you know, uh, making sure that, you know, our young children are educated in grammar school or, or middle school, you know, that there's a basic training and education, you know, that started early on. I mean, our young people are using technology computers much more than we did at our age. They probably use more than I do now, right? So, you know, how do we educate the family unit? How do we, how do we, how do we think about that, you know, in our, in our day-to-day lives? You know, how do we develop better vocational programs? How do we, you know, build this program into school? You know, these to me are all part and parcel. And you look at some of the, you know, some of the public-private partnerships that are in play now, or like some of our cyber centers or cyber ranges. You know, again, this is more about the technology, but if you kind of break that technology and product and try try to look at actually what we're trying to do. And again, I think the federal government with a CISA or your leadership within a state, you know, stepping back and, and again, understanding, you know, what the root issue is here. It's not all about technology you can buy. And, Jay, you know, Justin, you and I have had this conversation in the past. You can buy all the technology you want. That's great. You know, and you, you can buy a million different cybersecurity technologies and still not solve your problem, right? So, I mean, I think you really need to kind of think about this in a more holistic approach. And I think, you know, that's through just, you know, generational investment, continuing uh, the education, it, it's almost like doing a PSA to your people continually, 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 you know, so people start to kind of, you know, it starts to saturate, it starts to sink in, and it just becomes part of who we are. And I think that's where, 
you know, the federal government, I think, can play a role about educational awareness and, and investments, certainly educating your business leaders. You know, like I said, the program we talked a minute, a minute ago about, you know, CISA has these programs where they bring in small businesses to the table. They help small biz- businesses. Small businesses are not in position to help themselves time. So, I mean, I think it's that it's it's to me, it's it, that's what it's really about. How do we kind of advance that? Uh, and how do we keep this conversation? How do we talk about you know, outcomes? How do we talk about, you know, investments and priorities, things like this? Because they, cybersecurity and, you know, we tend to kind of live in this world where everybody gets afraid of, you know, the, the you know, the state nation actor and, you know, we see TV movies on it and all these cyber, t- and I, I, I get it. But there's some basic elements underneath here that we need to make sure that our people are understanding of, because I think it, it hits on the very basics of our community that they, they own this. They, they need to own this along with all of us. I think that's a really solid way to, to close about the responsibility and the ability to succeed so long as we're partnering partnering together. Uh, Justin, I don't know if you had any other questions, but I'm feeling pretty great and I want to make sure we can take advantage of Kurt again in the future so I'm not going to run too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should, uh, we should probably just wrap here then because we could go on all day. Excellent. So, so Kurt, listen, thanks a million for being along here. Um, Please, if you haven't listened to it, take a listen to the webinar that Kurt participated in for the CPR, where, which he was the executive director of. There's a lot of great information that came out of Kurt and um, folks like Mike, Greg, and others uh, to help you out. And, and I really appreciate this follow-up, Kurt, because I think it's, it's helpful for our audience to hear things from a different perspective than they'd ordinarily get from just Justin and I. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Good stuff. Yeah. Great. Um, well, for... Uh, Anybody and everybody listening to this, thank you so much for your time. Uh, as always, Kurt, uh, it's a real pleasure. Any anytime I can I can have a conversation with you. Um, if you like this episode, uh, please like it, share it with all your friends. Uh, questions, comments, you can find us at pwn.newharborsecurity.com, and we'll get you on the next episode. Thanks all. Have a great day.